I'm Melanie Sayward and you are tuning in to The Pink Elephant. Hey there and welcome to The Pink Elephant Podcast. You know, this episode is a little bit of a special feature episode in that I won't be delving deep into sort of the typical topics we would in this podcast. But instead, I'm going to share with you a little of my own story. And, you know, I wanted to do this separately because you don't have to know me to understand this podcast, but I know for some of you, it does really help to know me and where I've come from. And, you know, you also want to ensure that I'm not some crackpot, which I understand, and you might want to just get to know my heart about things. So so if you've been wondering about me and who I am, this is the episode to be listening to. So I'm just going to jump straight in and yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So I am of Indian descent, but I'm the only one of my family that's born in Australia, specifically Sydney. I've lived in Australia all of my 38 years of life. And no doubt that's responsible for the very thick Australian accent that you guys get to hear. I grew up in a Hindu family, which consisted of my mum and my dad and my older brother, who's about five years older than me. And my first exposure to Christianity then was when I started grade one in a Christian school. And when I share my testimony, the most common question I get is, why did your parents send you to a Christian school? Well, basically it was just because they were wanting me to get a private school education. And yeah, so that was, it's a pretty simple answer really. But from what I understand, I was asking a lot of questions about God inspired by the ideas I was hearing about at school. I have always been quite a philosophical kid anyway and was a little bit of a thinker, but I would have actually asked Jesus into my life, I think, when I was about eight years old. It's sort of, I can't be 100% sure, but it seemed like I was around that age. I can clearly recall annoying all my cousins with my God talk, especially when they would call me names or taunt me. I would respond saying something like, God's not going to be happy that you said that to me. Yeah, I know. I would find myself annoying too. Anyway, I also can recall this one Christmas when an auntie of mine called me up on the phone and was asking me what I would like for a present and I asked her for a Bible. It still kind of humours me when I imagine like my poor Hindu auntie trying to work out where you buy a Bible and, you know, which one to buy amongst the thousands of Bibles you can get. Like has anyone been to Kurong lately? There's like literally so many Bibles it would be so hard to choose from. So, yeah, spare a thought for my poor auntie and, um, you know, she actually did get me a Bible Looking back, I'm pretty sure it was like a Catholic Bible, which is all good, Like, but it wouldn't have been what I was like reading at school, being a uh, Christian school. Anyway, look, while a cousin of mine was in Australia for a couple of months, I was going with her and the family she was staying with to church, which I now realise she was a Christian. Anyway, it was an ACC church that they were going to. But then she returned to Fiji and I don't believe I attended anymore. I just, I can't remember going there without her. I really didn't attend church again until I was probably about 14. So although I did definitely attend a lot of different youth groups and it was mainly just with, I'd go along with friends from school 
to their youth group when their youth group had something going on or when there was a boy that they liked that they wanted me to meet or something like that. So really school kind of was church for me for a long time. You know, we had assembly and we would listen to a word and in our classes we would study the Bible and, you know, I had great Christian teachers but I'm most of all I had these awesome Christian friends and I'm still in awe over how God placed them in my life. And, you know, they all had their own stuff going on too, being teenagers and all. They just shared so much wisdom and kindness and comfort and listening and just biblical principles, you know. And it's those friends that, you know, were only like eight years old and that I grew up with throughout high school as well that showed me not to underestimate children and how they can minister God's heart to others because I'm certainly the fruit of that. Most would probably have called me a pretty happy-go-lucky child. And I do feel like that was true. I remember being quite sort of free and just, you know, doing my own thing and just having fun and sort of happy. But I feel like everything kind of changed when I was a tween and I went through some sexual trauma. I can almost pinpoint the exact moment I went from being this playful child to feeling like there was something terribly wrong with me. And You know, my teenage years were very much influenced by that event. You know, like looking back, I think I really struggled with depression. I was always in my head and just like quite down and melancholy and I struggled with sleep a lot. I had very significant body image issues. I was really consumed with my weight and, you know, I'd just do like things like I'd wear heavy jumpers on really, really hot days just to hide my appearance and, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't eat sometimes an entire day. I would throw my food out that my mum would give just so that I would lose weight because I'd feel bad about the day before where I had one piece of chocolate or anyway, that kind of ruled my whole teenagehood life and right into young adulthood as well. Um, But yeah, besides my Christian friends, I, I didn't, which I didn't really appreciate back then, my main saving grace was music. I was obsessed with music. I started learning how to play the guitar when I was about 14, even though I probably was singing from when I was maybe... 10 or something like that. But I, yeah, started learning how to play the guitar over a Christmas holidays. And I basically remember spending like eight hours a day locked in my room, just learning song after song after song, you know, Nevada, Pearl Jam, all these kind of bands. And of course, writing songs as well. And I was just obsessed with it. And I'd only come out of my, you know, basically only came out of my bedroom just to go to the bathroom and to eat. And yeah, it was insane. I wanted to be a singer songwriter. That's what I decided after, you know, after doing all of that, because it was like the one thing that really, really made me happy. And, you know, around the same time, I did start to dabble with marijuana and stuff a little bit as well, and just cigarettes. And that went on for a few months until I had a joint that really wrecked my throat. And it lasted for a couple of months too. It was quite intense, but it just absolutely terrified me because I thought I'd ruined my chances of singing professionally. So I stopped doing that. But I was up in Brisbane visiting family and I had some extended time to myself and I was just feeling depressed and I was actually still struggling with my whole voice thing from the the joint that I'd had. And I made a decision. And I guess you could say this was kind of my rededicating point. Although I don't think I ever really fell away from God. I think 
my idea of God was very confused because of my upbringing as a Hindu as well or in a Hindu household. But I just didn't like my life. And as much joy as music gave me, I didn't want to live the way I was. I just knew I wasn't in a good place. So when I returned to Sydney, I basically purposed myself to find a church and uh, ended up going with um, a dear friend of mine, Rebecca, to a Presbyterian church that her family had gone to I think since they were kids basically because they all were related and stuff at this church. It wasn't very far from my house. It was a small church and I think my parents really trusted her and her family and so they were quite happy to drop me and pick me up and, yeah, they they were totally happy with that. So I basically went there till I was about 18, I think, and I'd go to their youth group as well and, and I just remember that the teaching was really awesome and I still remember things that the minister taught there. I did make some friends with the kids that were kind of the bad crew, <laughs> if that makes sense. It was really because I felt like I related to them best because Christian kids for me, like I'd grown up now around Christian kids a lot and, the, you know, the cookie cutter families that had, you know, they would read devotions together and pray together and went to church religiously, you know, I found it really hard to relate to them because this just wasn't what my story was. And and some of the things I would tell them, like, you know, the fact that I had a prayer closet in my room would really freak them out. And I just kind of learned that they were not necessarily the kids to hang out with. And the only exception were those few kids that I became really close friends with from when I was quite young. But yeah, so that's kind of what I figured out. But in my final year of high school, I really started to confront some hard thoughts. You know, I had been going to church for years by then, but my faith really hadn't changed much for me. You know, like I was still feeling really depressed. I still had all these body image issues. I probably had more questions about life now and purpose, especially being in year 12, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. But another girl at church was kind of going through the same thing, only she'd been in a Christian family all her life and, and all that kind of stuff, but she just had a lot of stuff going on too. And she found out that there was this Bible study that was mainly young couples, married couples, that were getting together once a week. And by this time I had my own car and I thought, oh, you know, I've never been to a Bible study before. I'll give this a try, you know. And they wouldn't have known it at the time, but I was probably kind of thinking this was my last attempt at faith to actually figure out if this faith thing was worth it. I would have only attended it for like six months to a year, but so much actually happened in me and my faith over that year. It was it was really awesome. You know, they were great people. They were really real and authentic. And, you know, I'd often turn up in my Ugg boots and a jumper and drink hot chocolates on their couch. And, you know, everyone was so relaxed and informal. And I remember we studied Galatians and I sort of saw scripture in a totally different light. You know, I got so much out of that study and I'm sure though that the people have massive difference too to the whole learning process. So after doing that group, I realised that there might have been a lot more to God than I thought and I thought I'm not giving up on this thing, I'm going to keep going and there was something that sort of sparked in me that wasn't there before when it came to God, you know, and I had developed this really great friendship with a girl at school who came in the last two years of school and actually remains to be my bestie still today, which is my friend Hannah. And she had attended this church pretty much her whole life. 
that happened to be the same ACC church that I went to as a kid. And I used to go visit the youth group every now and then and just, you know, I'd um, come along with her when there was something special going on. But I decided to actually visit her church a fair few more times after finishing school. So it might have been maybe the third or fourth time I visited when I suddenly had this epiphany. God is real. God wasn't in my imagination. You know, when I would pray, I wasn't just talking to myself because I often felt like that's all it was. I was just talking to myself. He's real and he exists and he can therefore function in certain capacities, you know, like he could hear me, he could see me, he can be around me. He's He wasn't an idea or a concept. And that was like a huge revelation for me in that it meant that God actually could be known and that when I read the Bible, I wasn't just reading some good moralistic ideas, which is probably what my motivation for faith was previously. I was thinking that I needed to do this because I needed to be a good person. I ended up going to the ACC church and and their youth group. And I reckon my parents probably did get a little bit more uncomfortable with this church because it was far more radical. They were doing things, obviously, that a lot of people wouldn't consider to be normal. And it was also creating a more radical believer in me. I got baptized there. I started serving in the youth group. And of course, I met my husband, Josh, there. And we started dating and we were married about 18 months later. And then a year or so after that, we became really involved in serving at church. We started overseeing the young adults ministry and yeah, we, which had actually taken a little bit of a dive in the previous year, but we were basically out five nights a week and working full time, which was really uh, quite a big pressure to have put on a newly married couple. And we didn't think anything of it. Um, We just thought this is what we were supposed to do. And, you know, like we were still trying to work out a lot of our own baggage and, you know, so we were having all these fights at home and then like presenting up to church and just pretending like everything was fine. And anyway, it was a really tough time and it was very stressful running that ministry too because we were doing it as a committee and, you know, there was so many people involved and it was really hard to make decisions and we didn't, weren't always listening to each other and, and that kind of thing. It wasn't too long after that that I developed this terribly stiff neck and it used to give me awful headaches and I'd feel like I was going to pass out and, you know, it got so bad that I ended up quitting my job and I can remember being at home for like an entire month pretty much just resting. Now, looking back, I would say I was burnt out. I just didn't have the language for it at the time. In fact, I probably didn't hear about the term burnout until much later in my ministry experience. But my parents decided to move up to Brisbane not long after that. And the season of serving, uh, like I realised afterward, had really had a negative effect on my relationship with my parents, which I regretted. I sort of you know, didn't realize what I was doing. And then before I knew we were not on the greatest terms and I just didn't really know how to fix it. You know, I was probably, I was in my early twenties at that time and I just didn't know what to do about it. Anyway, I went up to visit them in the Christmas holidays and I discovered that Brisbane was a really nice, relaxing place. And I just realized how much I missed them, you know? And so I returned to church and without having any preparation for it, 
it felt like everything had changed because basically our church decided to hire a youth pastor who was also going to take over the young adults ministry. And, you know, actually it was an awesome idea, but over that previous year, I had really started to love what I was doing. And I would say that it was the first time I felt a call to ministry. I accepted the church's decision, even though I was a bit disappointed about it. I figured God had a plan and the pastor was great. We got a chance to meet him at a youth camp and then he started and he was actually an incredible preacher. And, you know, one night before youth, I saw him uh, reprimand another leader that I would say seemed quite harsh and I was really angry about it. And it wasn't just the fact that he probably hurt her and, you know, I knew a bit more about her past and I knew that that would have meant far more than he might have realised. But how could God have let another pastor come in and lead this way when I was doing a great job? You know, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have treated her that way. It just sent me on a whole different kind of spiral that I'd never faced before and I really didn't know what to do with my confusion. I I cried a lot and it just seemed so unfair, you know, and I started to feel like maybe it was time for us to move on. And I kept thinking of my parents in Brisbane and I missed them and I felt so regretful about the past few years. So by March, Josh and I were in Adelaide for a weekend away for our anniversary and I started this massive conversation about moving to Brisbane. A few months later, I think it was like three months later, we'd actually fully moved up to Brisbane and we had landed awesome jobs. And we lived with my parents initially too, which ended up being such a great idea because it was a really healing time for us as a family. And I have really great relationships with my parents now and actually so does Josh. So I'm so grateful for for the choice that we made there. It took a really long time for us to find a church up here though. And even though we did find a church, I was still really struggling with my faith. And looking back, I now realize that I was probably quite disillusioned about all that had happened with the previous church in Sydney. And I didn't, I didn't even have the desire to be at church or even read the Bible. I would force myself to join the worship team because sometimes that was the only thing that was making me show up. Anyway, it went on like this for years. And then in 2012, I fell pregnant and For four months, I had constant nausea and morning sickness, or I think it's more correct to say all day sickness. I don't even know why we call it morning sickness because it's not just in the morning. Anyway, it was very debilitating and I got really depressed about it all, you know, but the plus side, I guess, was that for the first time after a really long time, I started to desperately cry out to God. Thankfully for me, it only lasted 16 weeks. I know some other women are not so lucky. But on April the 7th, 2013, I gave birth to my adorable daughter, Leela, which is spelled L-E-E-L-A, which basically means playful in Sanskrit. And we gave her that name because of one of the ultrasounds we had when I was pregnant, she actually looked like she was dancing. She was punching her hands in the air and moving her legs and it was the most hilarious thing. Even the doctor was laughing about it. She is so much fun and she's so strong-willed and she's cheeky. She's now seven years old and she's just started grade two. And if you follow me on Instagram, you're probably really aware 
aware of her antics already. She's a real cheeky little girl. Whilst I was off on maternity leave, I'd really connected with this other mum who also had a baby under a year old and we were catching up for a coffee every now and then and she told me that she had made a plan to spend time with God during her bub's first sleep of the day and I thought, oh, man, that's a great idea because, you know, you can't always guarantee that you can spend time with God like when you're with a newborn, but when she sleeps, you can. So I decided to do the same thing. I can't even believe how much that one decision impacted my relationship with God. God did some amazing things during that time in me. I was really passionate about God when I was in my young adult days, when I was, you know, leading the young adults ministry and stuff like that. But I probably looking back, I was more driven by legalistic expectations and not necessarily a love relationship with God. But it was during this time on maternity leave that I started to feel the love of God and and developed this awe and wonder about him. And by the end of that time, I was writing prayers to God where I would say things like, I wish I could be in heaven with you right now, or that as much as I loved my family, especially my little newborn, I was even more excited about being in relationship with him forever. You know, God had returned to the number one position in my life. It wasn't long before I felt God starting to prompt me about leadership and It started with the internship program at my church. So I was in a service and I felt like God was like, come on, pay attention. And I look up and they're advertising the internship program. And I kind of go, oh, is this what you want me to do, God, you know? And so I jumped in and it was a great fulfilling year. And I learned a lot about relying on God. And by the end of that year, the church had actually offered me a job to work in the creative team and small groups. And I was, yeah, I felt like that was exactly where he wanted me to go. But imagine my joy, though. I was going to do music and be paid for it. And I was also going to be involved in a ministry that had so much to do with my own faith journey. I was actually so excited. So for the most part, I absolutely loved my job. And it was such a privilege to serve in that way. And I loved the people and I loved being able to come up with strategies and being a part of a team and being able to perform and and it was awesome. But there were also many ups and downs and challenges that I thought I would never face. And I actually write about this extensively in my first book, Ministry Stinks, you know, often using myself as an example for some of the things that I'm advising other young leaders to think about. But eventually I ended up focusing on one department. So I ended up just doing small groups because it was quite a juggle to do both and also have a one-year-old at home and and trying to support my husband as well because his work was exploding at the time. But once I did that, it really started to build some momentum. Like our small groups ministry started to really take off. And there was a few sort of milestones that we hit, which were just you know, exactly where I was wanting to take it. And it was great. It was awesome. But not that long after that, I had this really strange dream that my senior pastor was basically waving goodbye as he was stepping onto a hot air balloon. And, you know, I'd had dreams all like since I was a child, but, you know, I woke up the next day and was sort of a bit intrigued by this and, but I didn't really think too much about it, you know, and three months after that, a major situation unfolded at my church in which my senior pastor was stood down, 
with the potential of being moved on. By the end of the year, my senior pastor had been removed from his position and 10 staff members had resigned. So it was pretty full on. And that dream obviously had a lot more in it than I thought. And it was pretty devastating, you know, as a team, although it was a significantly smaller team now, we really had no way of being able to prepare for it. We were trying to process everything ourselves and were then also required to keep leading people. It was a really hard place to be. And we also didn't necessarily know how to move forward. We were also not really allowed to know a lot of the details of what happened that sometimes you kind of feel like might help you make sense of it all. But anyway, it was a very tough year. And I ended up staying for another year after he had left and it was a very eventful year. There were so many issues and trust was probably the biggest of all of those issues. And towards the end of that year, I had, you know, had gone through so many complications with other staff members and and issues. And but I found myself asking God where he wanted me to be, you know. And to be honest, I actually do that probably every year. At the end of every year, I just you know, recalibrate and ask God and give him an opportunity to tell me if he's wanting to redirect me because I just don't want to assume that I'm supposed to just keep doing what I'm doing and doing it. And, you know, because sometimes when you really love something, you also don't stop to ask God and I didn't want to get into that kind of pattern. So, yeah, so I asked him, do you want me to keep going as I am or do you want me to change? And I think on this occasion I probably wanted to change but I was still leaving it in his hands. I didn't feel like I got an answer straight away, but I was still struggling a lot. And then I had this incredible dream where I was on a jet ski and I was having this incredible time and, but, you know, I wake up to reality and things were feeling so hard in the church office. And I was a little bit like, wow, what was that jet ski dream about? We all had so much baggage. And so we're just trying to do the best that we could. So At the end of the year, I decided that I was going to write a study for our small groups to commence the following year with. We'd never done anything like that before, not whilst I had been leading it, where we were going to do something that we all were doing at the same time. I was at home writing the study and I felt the presence of God enter the room like I'd never felt before. It was something so different. It was incredible. It was so special, you know, and I suddenly said, whoa, man, this study is good. You know, maybe this is what I should be doing. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, it was like, it was like time stood still for a second. And, and this light bulb just went off in my head and I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this is what I should be doing. And so for the rest of the week, I just couldn't get it out of my head. I just had this burden to write. And it wasn't just writing. It was like, you know, I wanted to run workshops and and do training and, and just it was coming up with all of these ideas of things I would love to do that, well, I couldn't do while I was working at the church. And I had thought, you know, when it came to writing, I'd basically thought that, if I was ever going to write, it was probably going to be when I was old and retired and I'd had years and years and years and years of experience in leadership in church leadership and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, and I really, I really didn't think the timing would be like soon, but I had some really strange things happen to me in that week. I had a fellow staff member come into my office and say, Hey, I just had like a vision of you. You're on the cover of a book. 
I was like, what? You know? And then, and she didn't know anything about what I was thinking. And then I had someone else text me saying, God's just told me that there is this big adventure that you're about to go on. And I was like, oh man, this is so weird. Then I had another person tell me that I should be a writer and just was out of the blue. And it was just so uncanny. Like it was really weird. And so for seven days, I had all of this crazy stuff happening and I'm already sort of feeling this this awesome idea that's come into my head and that I'm excited about and and it sort of made sense with the jet ski dream finally and, yeah, I just was like I, I want to do this and my husband had just gotten a promotion at work and so financially we'd worked out that I didn't need to work anymore and so by the seventh day I just went for it and I put my resignation in and a month later I was no longer working there. So basically since that time I've essentially been writing. I wrote my first book, Ministry Stinks, which is the one I mentioned earlier after six months post-church ministry. And, you know, the purpose of that book was just to help new ministers and leaders like learn some of the things that I learned as a newbie how to sustain yourself, you know. And then the second book I've written, I wrote last year, but it's just being released now. So you can find it on Kurong and all that sort of stuff now. But it's all about disillusionment, which is also something I went through. And I discovered that God has a purpose to it. And if we are able to process it well, of course. So in that book, I basically just share my keys to working through disillusionment because I believe I am completely free of disillusionment. I hope to write more, but ultimately I do what I believe the Holy Spirit is directing me to do at the time. But, you know, you'll probably discover just from some of the books I've written and even just this podcast that I do like to delve into some hard topics and things that are a little bit raw. And and I don't believe it's because I'm negative or condemning or not life-giving or whatever you might interpret that as. I think it's because everyone generally comes to this point in life and it might actually just be a little bit earlier for me than others because I've noticed it in more older people where you realize that you just don't want to waste your time with certain things anymore, you know. Like for instance, I don't want to bother avoiding certain issues in life because it makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, comfort is overrated. I'm also not afraid of change, you know. I'm probably more afraid of staying the same. So, yeah, I tend to jump headfirst into the things that I think are going to make the biggest impact in a person's life to talk about. And inevitably they usually are the hard things like disillusionment or the pink elephants in the room. So, I mean, that in a nutshell is my story and I I hope that you enjoyed it and I hope it gave you a bit of a picture of who I am. But hopefully it also just gives you some context for some of what you hear in the podcast and even books that I've written. You know, you can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook and I'd certainly love to hear if there's anything in my story that you really connect with um, because it's always good to share with people common experiences and it reminds us that we aren't isolated in them. But otherwise, I hope this bio episode encourages you to keep listening and tuning into the podcast in the future because we are going to continue to unpack some really deep, hard things that I think are actually the most influential things in terms of transforming and changing your trajectory in life, your spirit, your perspective, 
perspective and all of the stuff that really, really matters if we want to make an eternal difference with our life. So God bless you. I would love to connect with you on social media and yeah, look forward to continue releasing some episodes and hearing what you think about them. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pink Elephant. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my resources on my website, meljsayward.com.